Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined as always by Roster Watch co-founder, managing partner, and architect, curator. I don't know how, what we, exactly what we want to call it. Uh, the uh, definitely the overseer, though, of the Ultimate Waiver Wire Cheat Sheet now available for week eight at rosterwatch.com a quick few notes before we get started here with the podcast uh, one if you're not already a pro member at rosterwatch.com please go to rosterwatch get a pro membership sign up is quick and easy it's costs less than a cheap cup of coffee and you not only get access to all of our in-season tools like the waiver wire cheat sheet like the snap counts targets and touches like trash man's weekly flex rankings like the touchdown dependency tool also our dfs tools like hyper dfs and the dfs cheat sheets for FanDuel and DraftKings, along with the vegas tool uh the vegas player props DraftKings values based on uh, vegas player props and it was a big week last week in dfs i know that i had a big week i know that uh, a bunch of our subscribers had big weeks we thank you guys for always sending in your screenshots and letting us know um you know, letting us know that you're enjoying the tools and that you're making some cash with them. It, it makes it all the better for us. Uh, secondly, if you like the podcast, please go into iTunes, search for the Roster Watch podcast whenever you do in the new iTunes uh, podcast app. It makes it a little bit easier. You can just search for the Roster Watch podcast now. When it comes up, just click on the album art there that says RW Maniacal NFL Analysis, and uh, it'll take you an easy page where you can just click to rate and review the podcast. If you can take literally 15 seconds to do that, it would mean the world to us. Okay, so let's get back to this uh, edition of the pod. Just kind of a, um, a review of the week that was in week seven, and more importantly, a look ahead to week eight, along with uh, just a little bit of a breakdown of the waiver wire cheat sheet available to our pro members at rosterwatch.com. So, Byron, there's a couple of NFL kind of notes and just uh, thoughts I wanted to talk with you about. And when you look at the Green Bay situation with Brett Hundley, I mean, uh, just a couple things. How do you value the wide receiver options there right now? I mean, it was such an abysmal and piss-poor, pitiful day for Jordy Nelson, for Devontae Adams, for Randall Cobb, and... Also, where are we right now on Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery? Because I'm looking at the big tool right now, the snap counts, targets, and touches. Aaron Jones, and if, if it wasn't completely apparent to, to you when you were watching the game, I mean, Aaron Jones seems to have taken over that backfield, uh, 80% of snaps. He had five targets, 20 total touches for 138 and a touchdown to Ty Montgomery's two targets, five touches and 15 yards on only 13% of snaps. Where, how are you on the Green Bay Packers skill players right now? Yeah, I think you're way better off spending your time engaging other activities to make your team better than evaluating the Green Bay wide receivers. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if you own them? I wouldn't spend much time thinking about them. I mean, you had you, a, you had a chance. You we told you last week you had the chance to trade Jordy as a throw-in on a bigger deal. I hope a lot of you guys did that. We'll, obviously, we'll get into it on tomorrow's trade cast. Um <clears throat> I mean, Randall Cobb, yeah, I, I own him. He went straight to my bench, and he's staying there. I mean, I would – nobody's dumb enough to take him as anything of any kind of value in a trade if you're in any decent league. So it's either – I mean, I think if you have to, you can definitely drop him. Certainly, if you have to drop him, you can. There's some school of thought that maybe that can come around later in the season. So if you got a deep league and a deep bench, it's – again, I, I wouldn't spend any time thinking about Randall Cobb. And – uh yeah, it's just a – dude, that's a bad situation. I mean, we, we kind of started to think that maybe Ty Montgomery was coming full circle and was a buy low again. And now just with 
I'd say just with the bye and just this general state of that offense and for the reasons you outlined with Aaron Jones, I'm more just kind of hands-off, you know, Ty Montgomery, you know, at this point, I'd say. So it's um, you got to move on to better op- options and greener pastures if you're an owner of any of the, you know, Packers skill skill players other than Aaron Jones, man. Aaron Jones looking really good though. <laughs> I mean, he looks he looks fucking good, man. Uh, so if 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 you own him, props to you. Um, no way he starts every game the rest of the season. You know how that Packers thing goes. No, man. yeah, I mean, cer- certainly agreed. Um, let's talk about Amari Cooper. What a bounce back from him! Just an epic, epic two hundred and ten yard monster uh, that he had in the Thursday night game. Uh, do you have the upcoming schedule pulled up? I, I remember looking and seeing that he might have some kind of really good matchup coming up in the yeah, next Yeah, I've got it right here. Week. And the, the the good thing about the Raiders is that, well, it's Buffalo this week. Yeah. And then it's the Dolphins next week at yeah. at at Miami. So these are these two. I've always been curious to see if it'll change once – the narrative will change once they get a little farther east living in Las Vegas. But – Man, they've got to travel all the way to Canada from basically to Toronto from Oakland to Buffalo this week, and then they got to turn around and fly down to Miami. That's they're going to the corners of the corners of the earth, man. Uh, these next those, two those, weeks, those Buffalo corners though will will cure cure what ails you. You can ask Mike Evans from last week or AJ Green the week before. Yeah, I think that Amari Cooper looked looked really good. I don't know whether to buy into it, hook, line, and sinker. I'm sure you're going to probably talk about him on the trade cast tomorrow. But if you are talking about him, do you consider him – is he a sell high at this point or do people kind of get the idea that you're trying to swindle them with a sell high? I, I think it will depend. It will depend on your league mates. I think there's some scenarios where he will be a sell high and certainly that's something I'd at least be attempting to do if I was an Amari Cooper owner. Man, I had a soul-crushing trade on the table and proposed for Amari Cooper fall through at 725 of kickoff of that game on Thursday night. And I was going to get Cooper and start him. That hurt bad, man. But uh, was the other owner agreeable to the trade? Oh, yeah. He had sent it over to me at 725. The fucking thing fell through because he'd been at so- <laughs> he'd been at his kid's soccer practice all night. Oh, God. He couldn't send it till 725. I ran into click it and Yahoo said it was no longer. No Did longer. he end up getting to start him? Yep. <laughs> well, that trade's off the table now, I guess. Yeah, um, but another one went through. I actually managed to ship off Melvin Gordon in a very competitive league this morning. Melvin Gordon been a, a major horse for me and, a, and an absolute beast. So I'll get into the, to the dynamics of that trade uh, to, on tomorrow's Tradecast as well. Yeah, and so if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen, be it on um, – iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you can find it. Uh, and you'll get that podcast delivered right to your phone as soon as it comes out. The Tradecast comes out on Wednesdays uh, uh, before the trade deadline here on the Roster Watch podcast feed. All right, so l- let me just ask you, let's, let's go through a couple players and just your thoughts on them. I always like to ask you, as we go in to talk about the waiver wire pickups, a little primer just to kind of help our users and listeners to the podcast know the kind of players that you can drop to pick these guys up. Right now, are you comfortable dropping Martavis Bryant? Yep. Just you you don't think it's ever you don't think they're ever going to need him the rest I of mean, the season. You asked me if I'm comfortable dropping him and the answer is yes. I mean, yeah, can I go back and forth with all these different cockamamie scenarios in my head? The answer is yes, but the net the net you know, the kind of the net fallout from him is that, yes, I'm comfortable dropping him. And you should be, too. I mean, he screwed you. Look, this, this why, is this is why am I so uncomfortable dropping him? Because, but because why am I so uncomfortable the, dropping him? Because you haven't come to, I guess, one of the grips of just, I mean, one of the things, a doctrine that you're well aware of, but it's, I guess it's very hard to come to grips with, is that, man, you just have to understand that there's just some scenarios. I mean, you're you've got some very good teams this year, so you can afford to stash him, but... There's just some scenarios where every single season, no matter what, you drafted a guy that uh, that eventually was going to be good somewhere along the way, but you weren't the one that could afford to hold him, absorb a slow start, 
and finally reap the benefits because you were forced for a variety of reasons to be the one to drop them. And then just, you know, it's good, good luck getting them back once you've kind of let the fish out into the sea and, and, you know, some other owner that happens to be in a different, you know, roster situation than you is able to scoop them up. And so that's what you're thinking, you know, but is that, He'll somebody he'll be going off for somebody later and you're going to have some cognitive dissonance that'll just trouble you, man. And and so I get it. But, dude, you just got to come to the to grips with the reality that that's just life when you play fantasy. There's just going to be some situations like that. And in the end, you're better off being a trash man and uh, trying to make your team better right now. I just after this whole squeaky wheel narrative of the last week and it didn't come through. It just seems like the next time that the Steelers play, he's going to have like a two touchdown game or something like that. Maybe that's just, that's just, I mean, how does that go in the NFL locker room? And I mean, I was in the Jaguars inside their locker room this, this off season and watching the team dynamic. And I mean, maybe these guys just understand it's business as usual, no matter what somebody's popping off with at the mouth, but it sure does seem like it would be difficult for me to, for Martavis Bryant to show up in a locker room with all these teammates and, and just the close knit environment that is after just saying that kind of st- stuff, he, he, he went out on social media and said that he's way better, better than Juju Smith Schuster and kind of, you know, kind of, kind of belittling his teammate. And, and, you know, if you're Mike Tomlin, you're like, what the fuck is this man? You know, maybe it's business as well, usual. He did the same shit with Sammy Coates yeah. whenever he was on. They suspension. might all show up and just go right back to work because that's business as usual in the NFL. But the locker room is a tight place, man, and that strikes me as a strange dynamic. And, you know, look, the whole thing was last week was that he was going to get the full complement of snaps, and that turned out to be absolute bullshit. It was the same snaps he's been getting all season. I have no reason to believe that's going to change. So if that's the scenario, 58% snap count or whatever it's been, it's been pretty poor. We could pull it right up here on the snap counts, touches, and target tool at rosterwatch.com. Um, but – I mean, if that's the case, then what are you waiting for? If the snap counts aren't going to change, then nothing changes with Martavis. He's bound to have a good game here or there. You can you could stress out that you missed, but they were going to be entirely unpredictable and, and, and totally unreliable for the rest of the season. So, yeah, for me, man, all I can do is make the best decisions at the time with the information that I have at hand, and I, that's a decision I'm completely comfortable with, push come to shove dropping Martavis Bryant. Look, maybe you can still throw him into somebody who's of the mindset that he's going to pop off. Maybe he can be a tiny little bit of a sweetener in a trade deal, you know. He's not yeah, he's, he's not much of a sweetener right now to anybody but the biggest Martavis homer, which I guess I kind of am. Um Okay, how about Willie Sneed? He's he's droppable, right? Never on my radar, man. And if I miss on it, so be it. Mart uh not uh, from one Marty B to another, Martellus Bennett. Back to these Green Bay Packers. Is he droppable? Droppable. Yeah. I mean, J- waiver wire, tight end, it's the same thing we learn every year. I don't know why we have to be reminded of it year after year. You just, there's too many. Every year, there's tons well, do you of know awesome why? waiver wire it's tied because, in auction because, that are developed. I know. It, but, but do you know why? It's because we have to make the draft cheat sheets. And every year when we make these products, I would just like to make them where our users don't even draft a tight end. But I know that. I know that people are going to be pissed about that. They're not going to understand that. They're going to think our product sucks because their team. You know their team isn't isn't a full roster when they draft it, and that um, Yahoo's going to give them a bad score, and they're going to get pissed, and they're going to want to cancel their membership and stuff like that. But I mean, if it if it were up to me, there would be like two or three of these guys that we would target. If we can't get them, just maybe not not draft one, but just punt it until the very last pick and just pick somebody because you know you're gonna. I mean, it, in my, in all my leagues, I am starting Austin Safarian Jenkins, and he's a top five tight end right now, and. You know, I, I picked him up in like week three, maybe week four. You know what I mean? And, and it hasn't been any detriment to me whatsoever. There, there, there are people who are perfectly happy with a guy like Evan Ingram who wasn't drafted by him. Oh man, I got I got Evan Ingram just going ham on folks right now. That guy is just a pure certified well, he's the, beast. He, he's the best wide receiver on that team, and we've been we've been telling people that on this very podcast back since back at the Senior Bowl. That you know this this guy was going to be a monster, but I, I had no idea it was going to be this big a monster. Dude, a he's a freak, man. Weekly, I, know, as much as I'd love to keep rolling him, 
I'm almost happy. He's gotten so much work the last few weeks. I'm almost happy to kind of pull him into the garage for a week, let him hit the bye, let the rookie rest up and come out for just a monster stretch after that. Can you drop Jamison Crowder? Yeah. I mean, you should, shouldn't you be playing? I mean, you should be considered playing somebody like a Paul Richardson over him on a weekly basis, right? At least in standard or half point PPR. Yeah, I'm not sure how – I'm not sure that – I mean, Paul Richardson's been good. I'm not sure he's he's available in that many leagues. Well, he's sub 50% on because he's on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet. Is he really? He stayed that way. We've been on he that. Probably, he probably sh- – he certainly shouldn't be. Go look at his um, game log. He's serviceable almost every week. Just, I mean, in a no, very – No, he's a, like this year's Richard Matthews, yeah. man. Like it's double-digit points every week in half-point PPR. Yeah, Jermaine Curse has just been a monster for me too, especially in any kind of – yeah, Half very good. Full point PPR, man. Is he going to finish this year with like 15 touchdowns? <laughs> it seems like every week he scores. Who was it retweeting him the other day? It was a Doug Baldwin or somebody tweeting out the video of Curse scoring. And I think it was before Baldwin's game, or maybe it was before Golden Tate's game. Had an afternoon game. Apparently they were watching him. They saw him score and they kind of tweeted out the retweeted the video by the NFL's Twitter account, they kind of said, oh, Jermaine Curse doing what he do, that kind of thing, man. Those guys know it. They practiced with him in Seattle, and he's probably he's just one of those guys probably always scoring touchdowns in, in practice and at training camp. Can you drop Mike Gillisley at this point, even though you know that he has three touchdown upside in, in any given game? Yeah, glad, glad we dodged the bullet, man, on him and – few other guys in fantasy drafts this year. I mean, it looked like it, like Terrell Pryor. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, right? That, yeah, that's about yeah. right. Can you can, can you drop Sammy Watkins at this point? Yes, we told you not to draft him, so I don't think anybody, many of our followers own him. And finally, can you drop John Brown at this point? Going into a buy and then coming off with a Drew Stanton, yeah. Well, that brings up a good point. Are the Cardinals fucked? I don't necessarily. I All think this them? is Bruce Arians' big, big time to finally get to be able to uh, roll out Drew Stanton. He loves. What do getting, you mean? He's he's gotten to do that before. I know, and I think he always looks forward to doing it again. <laughs> I just don't understand how he could look forward to it. Do you think that this is? I I, I think that this is the worst for Adrian Peterson because it makes this team worse. And we saw this last week. Uh, thankfully, we were completely off of AP. We did not buy that chalk in DFS. We said, look, when the game script goes bad for these idiots, they're not going to use him. And that's exactly what happened. Um, if you have Adrian Peterson right now, uh, I guess you're going you're gonna to hold. You're probably not going to try and sell him, but you're not going to drop him at this point, are you? Of course not. And finally, what about the... Injury to Jay Cutler. What is – I saw your tweet from the Roster Watch account about how Matt Moore's back to be the fantasy Dracula and suck the lifeblood out of your fantasy team. But with that being said, he actually came in and was a little bit productive. I believe once he came in, he threw for three, for, threw for uh, two touchdowns, right? Um, how do you see the Matt Moore effect in, in, in Miami? How do you think it's going to affect uh, some of these guys with uh, uh, hopefully Devontae Parker getting back soon? But also Jarvis Landry. It seems like Matt Moore likes Kenny Stills. How, uh, how do you see this shaking out for this for the skill players down there for the Dolphins? I mean, this is the story of Matt Moore. He always comes out and starts a little bit hot. That's how he seduces you into his lair to suck the life out of you, man. <laughs> he seduces you into his lair. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, very, very thin week on the waiver wire at quarterback. I mean, I honestly think there's going to be people forced to start start Mitchell Trubisky this week. People that did. which is going to be a horrible mistake. I'm all over. I'm all over the, the the New Orleans Saints defense. This oh, and I see they're very high up on the on the cheat sheet. Because here, let's just get into the ultimate waiver wire cheat sheet for well, week. Well, can can I say eight. I do think there is a tad bit of a second team doctrine with Matt Moore and Kenny Stills. Yeah. So, so that's a, so that's a that's an effect. Yeah. So I and think the other, in the short term, I mean, in the short term, you have to consider Matt Moore if you're in a and if you're in a quarterback bind this week in a D. I'll say know, this too. Uh, I I I I haven't done the end zone targets report for this week, but doing it over the course of the last two weeks, I've noticed a huge uptick for end zone targets for Jarvis Landry. That's going to regress, you know, especially once Devontae Parker gets back. So. With Jarvis Landry, I'd say if there's any way you can sell high on that dude, 
uh, after after you know two straight weeks of big games, especially in PPR leagues, I would be I would be looking to do that because uh, his 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 touchdown equity is is looking to regress in very very short order. Um, well, I don't think you'll be able to sell him high individually, but I think you'll still have an opportunity to throw him in as a piece in a multiplayer deal and him him have some value, you know, in that type of setup. As I look at the waiver wire cheat sheet for this week, like I said, I just mentioned the Saints, 44% owned, coming back home to face Mitchell Trubisky. Look, there's no way that Trubisky is going to be able to throw the ball only, what did he throw it, seven or eight times this last week? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, they managed, pitiful, man. They had the they had two. Uh, they had uh, homeboy, the Alabama guy, what, Eddie Eddie Jackson, returned two tu- two seventy five yard touchdowns, one fumble, one uh, interception, just an absolute monster. Um, he's not going to be able to do that. And what do we know about our our fantasy defenses? What we want is we want to be going against teams that are going to be having to put the ball in the air and throw the football. The reason is, is because it's a pretty low expectation event against a team that's going to pound the ball out and run the football against you that you're going to be able to cause, you know, a fumble and run it back for a touchdown or even get sacks or anything like that. You want these quarterbacks dropping back. You want that football in the air to where, you know, the defenders can possibly go get it. I think in this game script, there's just no way that a guy like Trubisky is going to be able to keep handing the ball off to Jordan Howard for the entire football game. And I think that that team that's been so opportunistic at home, you know, the two defenses right up here at the top of the, of the uh, waiver wire cheat sheet, the two that I've had my eyes the most closely on, you can come to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership and, and see uh, kind of how they stack up and where we kind of how we recommend you spending your free agent acquisition budget to get them. But of course, Defenses are never the big ticket items on the waiver wire cheat sheet. Just sort of a little transition there from the whole Trubisky talk. I just think Trubisky's got to put the ball up in the air. A rookie going down to that dome, it's loud. You know, they, the 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 Saints are a top ten team right now in, in adjusted sack rate. I I think it's going to be a, a good game this weekend for the for for the Saints defense. Trubisky but, at Trubisky over a hundred quarterback rating last week. Yeah, he threw he threw the football seven times. <laughs> I, I know four for seven, like a hundred yards. Yeah, um, and seventy of those going to one play to Tariq Cohen, who outscored Jordan Howard on one play, uh, so <laughs> or one one touch. Um, okay, so I mean, where do you want to start? You, do you want to start with the wide receivers? Man, I'm just sitting here and staring at the video in this tweet that we sent out a little while ago watching it on a repeat of Josh Doxon making this filthy catch at TCU Pro Day on this video that we took back then. So I guess it's a reasonable place to start, man. That's where my head's at. Josh Doxon has A.J. Green upside. And during the first half of the Monday night game versus the Philadelphia Eagles, Terrell Pryor got on the field once. Now, he did get on the field a little bit during the second half, but it was usually at the same time as Josh Doxson. We told, we've been telling you guys, if you haven't listened, you haven't listened. He's at the very top of the cheat sheet. He's moved his way up from the very bottom of the cheat sheet through the value tiers. We had a, we had a very, very, very clear directive on this podcast last week saying, look, these are the golden sons of Roster Watch Nation. Josh Doxson's right there. The time is coming. This thing is coming home to roost right now. Well, you know, we, we we saw it come home to roost. He's the he's as far as I'm concerned, he is the new number one in Washington. He has nothing but upside as long as he's healthy. He is by far the best wide receiver on that football team. Uh, he he has all the makings of a future beastly wide receiver one in the NFL. We could start reaping the rewards of that as soon as this season. He's only 14 percent owned across fantasy leagues right now. Man, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you said it perfectly. Um, you know, we said on the Sirius XM show on Saturday night, I think Sunday morning too, that I actually believed that this last week, just on a hunch, just because we monitor so closely the trends with the snap counts and the touches, we're really down into the nuts and bolts of this thing. Uh, I just had a feeling, man, that even if you had to play Doxon last week, it was the first week you could actually start to legitimately think about it. Now, the production wasn't there, but I mean, how big of a surprise was that to you, the way that he came out and and prior on the bench? I mean, nobody was expecting that, man. Well, we kind of were. 
He's the best wide receiver on that team. Well, Pryor sucks. Like I said, we I mean, nobody else was telling anybody that you could even think about playing Josh Doxton yet. And yes, we've been saying he's the best receiver on the team, but that I mean, I was surprised. Look, I own Josh Doxton in every league I play in. But I was surprised to see that turn of events, man. But it's fantastic. It's real a lot of wind in your dynasty sales and Certainly, Josh Doxson dynasty. It's enough of the body blows. We've been talking about the bo- the body blows in dynasty all the well, way back he's to throwing, February. He's been training and he's throwing back now. And uh, I mean, Josh Doxson dynasty owners are they're they're ready for liftoff. Man. Rejoice, rejoice. Yeah, they're ready for we, liftoff. And liftoff's coming. I guarantee it. Right underneath him, uh, Corey Davis coming into a buy this uh, coming into a buy this week. Only twenty five percent owned. This is a guy that needs to be picked up, right? Yeah, I mean that's why he's at the top. He's sick. If you think if you think Doxson is sick, you got to think that Corey Davis is a sick prospect. And I mean it's a similar situation, man. Those Titans are struggling on offense, and as good as Rashard Matthews has been for fantasy, dude, they need a number one wide receiver bad, bad. It's different than like a Mike Williams in Los Angeles with the Chargers, where they they need a body like his badly. They really do, but they've got other, you know reliable options in Henry and Keenan Allen that are that are you know Pro Bowl caliber game-breaking caliber options that just doesn't exist for Mariota and Tennessee man and he's struggling look one thing we said that the the narrative of the whole offseason for anybody close to the NFL was just the how many teams made it a priority across the league to go out and uh support support their young quarterbacks with all the moves that they made in the offseason in the draft free agency etc and the titans were one of them the titans were certainly one of them i know we talked about taewon taylor making sure to keep him at the bottom of this sheet just to keep an eye on him in deep leagues for our subscribers that are in the really competitive uh leagues where the waiver wires are thin but i mean Corey Corey davis was the the principal the principal piece i mean they got janu smith too but Corey Davis was the principal and they piece. Keep, and, and, and they keep investing in that offensive line yeah. and everything yeah. else. He's so. the principal piece. He's sick. They said he was sick in many camps. I mean, all the reports out of many camps that he was a beast. He looked good when he got the limited snaps in early in the season. You know, I think they wish they just kept him on the bench for a while then. But, you know, it kind of sucks. He comes off the bye and he gets Baltimore, so I'm not thrilled about it. I think if you have to play him, you can coming off the bye. You know, obviously, you'd probably, you know, rather wait and see a little bit. But, I mean, he has to be owned. And, I mean, I don't think you can ever bank on an Odell Beckham rookie-style second-half breakout. But there's there's big potential here for Corey Davis to be very, very, very valuable in our fantasy leagues. Especially if you look at his schedule, it shapes up really, really well for the fantasy playoffs with Corey Davis. That'd be just the time you would expect him to be really hitting his stride and you know how it is, man. We always talk about the salmon swimming upstream, just dying, growing the beak, and his flesh rotting, and that's the attrition of the season <laughs> and what happens with your roster. And to get a big injection from a good player, good pickups, good stashes late in the season, man, oftentimes – Essential the, life oils. Yeah, oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes that's the thing that kind of helps keep pushing you, keep motoring along there at the end as you're starting to run out of gas. So – to get a boost out of an elite play, you know, prospect, somebody like Corey Davis in your fantasy playoffs, and possibly before then if you just need a play along the way, man. I mean, he's yeah, he's got to be owned. He's he's got to be owned. I think the reports you were talking about probably were more were coming out of training camp because wasn't he injured during mini camps? I think, I think it was, was late in mini camp. camp. May I thought it was late in mini camp. Maybe it was early in training camp. But I mean, he it was might have been early. There was there was a point in time. I don't think I just I'm trying to get my timing right on when this because there was the uh, there was the initial injury that you know kept him out of the combine and everything else. I thought that kept him out of mini camps, but maybe it was. Regardless, there was buzz. I forget the exact Dude, time. They, the, the, the the Titans defenders and defensive backs thought that Corey Davis was sick. I mean, he's just a right. whole different breed of animal than they even have on that team. And, uh, you know, so the the ports were that he was transitioning, adjusting to the NFL game quickly and very smoothly and very well, which were the only concerns about him. So I love Corey Davis. I mean, I think he has Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas-like upside. So uh, certainly get him on your roster. Only owned at 25%. 
of leagues. As always, go to rosterwatch.com to look at the full Ultimate Waiver Wire cheat sheet. This thing's pretty deep this week. It looks to be, I don't know, probably 60 players on here, Byron, something like that. It's probably 60, 50, 60 it's players. It's always maybe. more than, the, than when you actually go count them up. There's always more than you think when you just glance at it. It's usually somewhere in the 60 to 80 category. I mean, who else Stank? Who else puts out 60 to 80 waiver most wire people pickups do their, of the week? Most people do like their top five or top eight, you know? I'm like, dude, the, all those guys are fucking owned in my league. Shit, they were drafted in my league. <laughs> yeah, right. What kind of leagues are you guys playing in? Yeah. One of those guys who might be owned in a lot of leagues, but, like, we got to cast a wide net here on the Roster Watch podcast because – a lot of our listeners are in, in, you know, leisurely leagues with some of their friends at work and stuff, and not everybody can be, you know, in a league with, you know, 11 other complete maniacs. But uh, just another kind of top-tier option this week, along with Doxon and Corey Davis, Marlon Mack, only 41% owned. Of course, the running back for the Indianapolis Colts, rookie running back. Uh, he had He was targeted six times versus – the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. He had only nine touches on the day, but for 66 total yards on 48% of snaps. This marked the first time that Marlon Mack actually uh, outsnapped and uh, just you know had an even number of touches as Frank Gore. Frank Gore, uh, nine touches on the day, zero targets for him. So it looks like all of Robert Turbin's passing game work has transitioned over to Marlon Mack with Robert Tur- Turbin on season-ending IR with the elbow. I believe I believe the elbow injury. Uh, Frank Gore, only 34 yards on the day and only 33% of snaps. So 15% more snaps to Marlon Mack, who looks a ton more explosive, uh, who the fan base in Indy is saying – how the hell can you get this guy only two touches in the first half and not get the ball back to him? Uh, Chud, I, I, I believe it's – is it still Chud Zinsky in, uh, in, in Indy? Is it Chud? I don't, I don't even I, care, man. I think it's Chud, but they came out and care. said um, – Yeah, they came out and said uh, – This Chud, regime, I think it was, this regime, it's just been pure debauchery. <laughs> let me just let me just make the, make sure I I think it's Rob Chudzinski. Let's see, Rob Chudzinski. Let's see, uh, Rob Chudzinski. He is the offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis. Always Colts. makes the yeah. tight end. So, always makes the tight end relevant, which is the reason yeah. Jack Doyle's so, back in action. Yeah, I knew I knew it was Chud. He came out and said, you know, um, or no, they, they they were asking Pagano, and Pagano was like, ask ask Chud you know, why he didn't get it more. And so uh, they had said, uh, I think Chudzinski had come out later in the week and said, yeah, we need to give him the football more. They did come through on that, uh, even though it seemed like it was kind of uh, maybe out of necessity because no more Robert Turbin. With that being said, this is looking to be more and more like a lost season in Indianapolis. I'm not con- – Byron, are you convinced that we're, we're even going to see Andrew Luck again this year? No. I'm, or you're not convinced or you are convinced? I'm not convinced that we're that we're gonna that we're going to see him. Yes. Yeah, I'm not convinced either. I actually wait. Was I supposed to are. say no there? I don't know. Fuck! I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I think, think I, he's gonna come I, back. I think man. I asked it in a weird way with a double negative. So yeah, I don't think he's coming back either. So I don't think he's coming back either. And so this is looking more and more like a lost season. What are you gonna do running the wheels off of Frank Gore in a lost season? You know. Why not see what you got with some of the younger guys, right? I'm, I'm certain that's what uh, fantasy owners are hoping for. Well, do you? All right, I'll also say this: even if you don't, and you still want to obstinately bang your head against the wall with his nine touches for 34 yards to you know, three point whatever three point three yards a carry to Frank Gore. What, what, like, even if you want to keep doing that, how many positive game scripts are you going to be in where you can keep handing the ball off to him? If Marlon Mack has taken over only the Robert Turbin role, I think that an explosive player like, like Marlon Mack, who's more explosive than a Robert Turbin in that role, could be very attractive as, as these game scripts get more and more and more negative and Jacoby Brissett is having to dump this ball off more and more and more in catch-up mode. Look, Marlon Mack, he's been on the sheet for weeks You've had every opportunity in the world to get him for cheap. Uh, now it's to the point where you're either in on him and you're going to spend up or you're out on him. Uh, if you're looking for just a play this week, I don't think he has to be your number one 
priority in terms of running backs on the waiver wire. <clears throat> Obviously, the the longer season long perspective is where most of our interest lies with Marlon Mack, and I agree with most of what Alex has said there. It's talking about players, uh, players you might want to look at this week. A discussion that we had was between Matt Forte and Marlon Mack. Talk about Matt Forte and, and, and his slotting on, on the cheat sheet this week. Well, I just like his snap counts in the return. Uh, I believe it's a home game against Atlanta this week. Let me just double check here. Uh, the Jets are going to get a home game against Atlanta. And I know we like the pass catching back, so it, it could be a – it could certainly be a Bilal Powell kind of week. Well, you look at the you Bilal look, Powell's own. I think I remember. About, I think I, yeah, I think I remember seeing. Yeah, I don't think Bilal Powell is going to be an option for a lot of people, but I think I remember seeing a good number of yeah, targets. Fifty percent snap count for Forte. Twelve touches, eighty-two yards. I mean, look, five, I mean the five targets. It's what, Bilal Powell only got two, and it's what I told Alex. I mean, and, and look, Forte historically a good pass catching back. He's not the only one. Powell's not the only one that can catch the football. What I told Alex was when I, you know, in the assembly of this week's waiver wire cheat sheet, I had to really keep in mind that there's six teams on by, and a lot of people are in very in a desperate pinch, man. And league's standings are very, very tight right now. So I don't like to ever get, well, like Alex is out in front of over my skis with with Matt Forte. But it's a lot of cheap options this week. I watched some of that Jets game. I actually thought Forte looked all right. He looked okay. He looked good. He looked kind of decent. So, I don't know. In a pinch, I think Forte is a reasonable play this week. And, you know, of course, like I said, Bilal Powell much more owned. So, not available, I, uh, not available in very many leagues. Of course, of course, we're all well aware that the Marshawn Lynch suspension has been upheld. He will be out for week eight. I noticed a couple of these uh, Oakland running backs here on the waiver wire cheat sheet are those just kind of one week filling guys or do you think that there's any possibility that either of these guys deandre washington or jalen richard i mean at this point could i mean jalen richard seems like he could be almost considered like a deep flex play you know in ppr leagues on a weekly basis because you know marshall lynch simply hasn't been getting the you know hasn't been getting the usage that we had all hoped even when he has been in there yeah, so I mean, this is a situation I've monitored very, very closely, and I think I feel like people have a decent feel for this situation, but maybe miss a little bit of the nuance with the Washington and Richard situation. So, um, I view them as a one-week play, yes, and I'd like to explain they're back to back on the sheet. I'd like to explain why DeAndre Washington is on the sheet one spot over Jalen Richard and why I think what you just said is the way that most people feel and think, but I'm not sure it's an accurate reflection of that backfield. I mean, it's very, we're splitting the finest of hairs here. These are two good players that we like in a, in a, in a pinch this week with no Marshawn Lynch, especially in PPR like is a strong word, but are serviceable in a thin week. Um, so, at Raiders camp, which we were at for two days, um, you know, Lynch was getting all the first and second down work and all the goal line work for, for the most part, you know. And so we were, we were just hoping Lynch was going to get 15 touches and goal lines. He, he didn't get the 15 touches. He got the goal lines. It's been a little bit more of a spread out wide open, open offense under Todd Downing. And they've neglected to really play to their strength with the offensive line in the run game. And so when they spread it out, man, Washington and Richard are, are the preferred options. And that's the, those are the sets that the Raiders have been going to uh, with more regularity in these games. Now, and part of that's because their defense is no good uh, on the back end. Um, so at camp, DeAndre Washington was considered by many observers. Even Derek Carr said it was one of the stars of training camp. When I was at camp, um, and look, DeAndre Washington is a guy we've scouted live on multiple occasions. He's a former senior bowler. Uh, he went to Texas Tech. And one thing you notice at, um, at Raiders training camp was that DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard, when they're standing next to each other, or even when they're running with the ball, I mean, they, are, they look identical, right? So then you go look at their stats on the roster, and they're both 59208 I believe. So they really are identical height and weight. But Washington was running slightly ahead of Richard in training camp and 
the reason is he's about, I'd say about 20%, 15 to 20% more of an explosive athlete than Jalen Richard. And yeah. so what I, I mean, he's a better prospect. So what I said, Surely. so they're, they're very, very similar. They can perform the same role. Washington is a slightly better athlete and prospect or, you know, slightly to significantly. And look, coming out of camp, he was number two in the pecking order by just a little bit. They were all three guys were going to play, but Washington was two a, you know, it was one and then two a and two B basically. And, what happened is, I, you know, and we told you guys that's the way it's going to shake out. Well, what happened was you, we came in early in the season. If you actually go back and look at the snap counts, DeAndre Washington did, in fact, receive the two-way snap counts and even touches early on. But Richard was just more productive with the, one, with the touches he got. So what happened was... On the surface, it looked like Richard was outperforming Washington. And then I believe Washington got a little banged up. Richard started to perf- kept perform, you know, producing when he did get his touches. And he kind of flipped to what seemed to be 2A and Washington then to 2B. Well, this last week, it was damn near dead even between those guys. And Washington is healthy. He got the touchdown. So it's really, really close. I just think we have a scenario now where it's almost dead even between the two. If the Raiders do revert back to pecking order and training camp for this game, now that Lynch is gone and now that Washington is healthier, I think he'll get a slight edge in touches and snap counts. And, you know, again, in a, in a, in a tie, a virtual tie, the way I split the hairs is just Washington is a, he's a little bit better of a player than Jalen Richard. A lot of the usual suspects here in the wide receiver group. Uh, any of these guys sort of in the second and value tier that you specifically wanted to touch on? Yeah, I mean, I'm, there's one player on here I'm kind of shocked you haven't brought up yet. Who, Galladay? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I think that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing some buzz on, on, on our, on our, in the old uh, fantasy echo chamber of Twitter that – uh, T.J. Jones picking up some steam is kind of the hot pickup, kind of getting off of Galladay. I think that's just overthinking it. Uh, like we talked about on the SiriusXM show, we know that Golden Tate plays a lot of his role out of the slot, but I feel like uh, T.J. Jones stepping in in the slot doesn't mean that he's going to automatically pick up all of the slot usage of a Golden Tate, right? I mean, it just means when they go too wide, I think now, the too wide, instead of being Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, it's going to be Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. And when there's somebody that goes into the slot, then it's just TJ Jones comes in and goes to the slot. So for me, it's an obvious pickup of, of, of Kenny Galladay. Uh, while he was healthy, he was averaging over one end zone target per game. Not red zone, but end zone target per game. Now, that's well, granted, that's over a small sample, but I do believe it was a three-game sample. I think he was healthy for three games. I can pull it up and see. But... Uh, let's see here. End zone target report. Um, uh, let's see. I'm searching for Kenny Galladay. You know, it was in four games. So actually, he had four end zone targets in four games. So one per. Uh, so it was actually one per game. But I think he was hurt during that fourth game. Still, that would put him in 20th place in the whole National Football League as, as far as end zone targets uh, on a on a per game basis. I mean, more than, you know, more, more than guys like Michael Crabtree or Alshon Jeffrey, who you consider to be, you know, end zone specialists, David Njoku, who seems like he gets an end zone target per week, Zach Ertz, who's, who's, I mean, more than AJ, much more than AJ green. So I, I just, I think that it's a, uh, it's definitely a sit. I mean, more than Jimmy Graham. Holy cow. It's just, he, they use him in the end zone. And ever since they got rid of Anquan Bolden, we've always known, all right, is it going to be Eric Ebron that steps up and takes over this role? It's like, well, he's played six games, and he's had .33. He's had two end zone targets, .33 per game. When Kenny Galladay's in there, they go to him in the end zone. It's why they drafted him. We've always said that they do not have a wide receiver on the roster like him. So, yeah, I say all the Kenny Galladay. I, 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 I love it. We've seen that Matt Stafford this year is capable of putting up big-time numbers. And with Golden Tate out, that, that action's going to have to be going somewhere. 
Um, I, I, I heard earlier, shout out to a friend of uh, the pod and friend of Roster Watch, Josh Norris of Roto World. Uh, he, he was talking about how if you look at the NFL's next-gen next stats, the, uh, the number one player as far as – or the bottom player, however you want to look at it, but as far as the amount of cushion that, that, that he's receiving uh, from opposing cornerbacks – is Marvin Jones, which said, which you know, Josh was saying, says to him that Marvin Jones has never been good off the press, and everybody just wants to go press him. They don't give him any cushion. He can't get off the press. He, he's not getting any cushion. So I just I feel like Kenny Galladay is a guy who they're going to have to look to in the absence of a Golden Tate. He's a different body. He's capable of doing different kinds of things, and most importantly, they're going to look look to him down there in the end zone. Yeah, I'm um, generally speaking, I mean, I don't expect him to replicate Golden Tate's role, but just generally speaking, I like the, No, I, I don't think he can either, yeah. but I'm saying Yeah, yeah. no, like, I agree. I and I heard that's what you said, but I mean, yeah, just basic but you <clears throat> I I agree with that. I don't expect him to replicate Golden Tate's role, so I don't think anybody should expect that. Generally speaking, I like the concept of Matt Stafford to a big athletic receiver on the outside. And uh, from this limited sample we've got, it looks like the guy's ready for the NFL and fits in the offense and has some chemistry with Stafford. So I don't love the matchup this week at home against the Steelers, who have been a tough fantasy matchup. A.J. Green put up a real bed shitter this week against them. Um, you know, But it's a home game for the Lions. A lot of people are in a pinch. And again, it's still a big receiver uh, on the outside with Stafford slinging it uh, there in, in, in indoors in, in Detroit. So, and I get part of what you're hoping for is, I guess you're hoping for, you know, Golden Tate to be out for a few weeks. So maybe you can roll Kenny Galladay for a couple weeks here. Uh, um, maybe a couple better matchups even than this week against Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Steelers have been actually, I, I, haven't, I haven't made the matchup tool uh, this week yet, but I mean the Steelers have been very, very good uh, against opposing wide receivers uh, so far this season. I mean it's a uh, they 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 haven't allowed a 100 yard receiver or a 300 yard passer so far this season. Just been uh, very very good. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, definitely not not the best matchup this week. I didn't. Didn't didn't really think of that. I just I, I think for you know if Golden Tate's going to be up for three or four weeks, kind of though, like you said, um, do you have the, do you have the rest of their matchups pulled up? What the next week after that is for Galladay? Yeah, here, yeah, I can pull it up right now. It's going to be um, let's see here. Yeah, Galladay has got coming up. He's got uh, after Pittsburgh this week. It's going to be at Green Bay, so we like that. At home, oh yeah, at home, dude. Well, that's the one you're stashing him for. At home against Cleveland, you like that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Get all the Galladay. Get him on your team, roster watch nation. All right, uh, Al- Alex else you sounded wanna... like he's enjoying this podcast. Uh, anything? Anything else you want to get to? Not particularly, man. I need to start working on the uh, all these trade scenarios for the trade cast. It's, I mean, super thin week at quarterback. You guys, so you're just going to have to really kind of bear down and figure out a way to get through this one. You know, you just look, make sure you guys are looking forward a few weeks at this point of the season. I mean, I, I kind of wish we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but with all these buys, this is the time of year where you need to be looking a couple of weeks out, you know, not, not making, the, you're always making the current week the priority. Don't don't got to win this week. Yeah, don't be don't. It's a fool's errand to plan too much for the future and then lose in the meantime and screw your whole season. We've 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 learned that lesson, but doesn't mean you shouldn't still at least be looking ahead just to see what your roster looks like in the coming two to three weeks. Just to see, do you know, do I need to be two weeks early getting a tight end off the wire? Do I need to be a week early getting a quarterback? I have a good question kind of like that just to just just to get us out of here. And, And it's and it's about defenses. Okay. Like, and we don't talk about defenses much on here, but I noticed in some of my leagues, just something that I'm kind of grappling with, the top two defenses in fantasy, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Rams, both on bye this week. How do you handle that? Do you hold on to a defense that's been that good to you? I mean, you got to hold on to them, right? 
I'd have to go look at the game logs, but I'm pretty sure the Rams production has come in waves because I've, yeah, I was I mean, an owner for a while. The, let me look at their median production. I know that the median, produ- median production for the Jacksonville – here, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. But I know that the median production for the Jacksonville Jaguars has been through the roof. I can't see dropping them. No, no, unless, no, Unless no. I completely I, that's, needed that, to. When you, have a, when you have the rare season-long beastly defense, that's when you find a way to maneuver and hold on to. We, we rarely mm-hmm. – Really, is that the case? So usually it's just streaming waiver wire defenses, and we'll tell you there's no way we ever roster two defenses. But yeah, man, sometimes you got sometimes when you got a good one, you got to hit your wagon to it, and you got to definitely keep them through the buy. So the med- med- median scoring one, two, three. So the median scoring for the uh, Jaguars is uh, golly, it's 15, 15 points a yeah, game. Yeah, so that's an elite. Median. That's an elite defense. We keep elite the, defenses during the buys. But only elite defenses. Yeah, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The the median scoring for the two four I mean the, the median scoring for the for the, the Rams is is eight, but they have one thirty two point game, one twenty two point game, and one seventeen. Yeah, point which game. is a great kind of defense too. The one that if you you gotta just play them every week and take your lumps, but you know you gotta start them every week because the waves come big and it's the kind of defense that can win you the week. I, I mean, I I think you have to keep Jacksonville I think you might want to try and make an effort to hold. I think you should strongly consider holding the Rams, at least examine their upcoming schedule, et cetera. You know, if you can't hold two defenses, such is life. Yeah, but you don't want to drop Jacksonville because somebody will pick them up off of waivers and and stash. Not Jacksonville. All right. So uh, there it is. Byron Lambert and Alex Dunlap here. I just checked it. It's episode 50. Of the Roster Watch podcast, halfway to the centennial edition of the podcast. So, thank you guys for tuning in, helping our numbers grow and grow uh, as we love bringing you guys these pods. Remember to subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the Trade Cast, which is uh, my favorite new podcast in all of the fantasy space this year. Byron's solo Trade Cast, which comes out on Wednesdays before the fantasy football trade deadline. Remember to go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. It's the best way to support us and to become a member of our maniacal community of, of supporters. Uh, membership at rosterwatch.com is cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee. So with that, for Byron Lambert, for the Robot Genius, for the Trash Man, and for all of Roster Watch Nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. We will see you next time.